and welcome to the Positively Pro-Life podcast. Positively Pro-Life is brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation and aims to bring you inspirational stories and conversation, important legislative updates, and informative interviews as we seek to restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher, Legislative Director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. My co-host, Education Director Remmel Tenney, is on vacation. So filling in for her today is our Executive Director, the incomparable Christopher Pushaw. Welcome to Positively Pro-Life, Chris. Maria, I've never been uh, accused of being that adjective, but I'll take the compliment. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you are quite welcome. Yeah, this is our this is my last week guest hosting, so Remmel can't come home soon enough. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm excited to be part of it, and I, I appreciate the opportunity. Sure, you know, Chris, the Catholic bishops of the U.S. recently said that abortion should be a top priority public policy issue. What does that mean in a post Dobbs America? And what can we expect Catholic clergy and lay people to help promote a culture of life? We'll address that soon, but first we have a legislative update. We need your help to ensure that Pennsylvania does not become a haven for negligent abortionists. The Pennsylvania Senate Judiciary Committee is currently considering House Bill 1786, a deeply flawed bill which would allow PA abortionists who botch abortions in other states to escape from justice. Under this poorly worded bill, if a woman is hurt by a PA abortionist who performs the abortion in another state, she would not be able to sue for damages. In addition, this bill could worsen Pennsylvania's status as a haven for human trafficking. The Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation is on the record as saying that women who seek or consider abortion should not be prosecuted. But this bill goes beyond the prosecution of women, allowing disreputable abortionists to get away with their crimes in other states. Please contact your state senator and urge him or her to oppose this dangerous bill. Thank you for making these critical calls and sending these important emails. Now to our guest. She is Kat Talalas, who works with the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops which has been quite vocal in the fight for life. Kat, welcome to Positively Pro-Life. Thank you so much. And may I say, I just love the title and theme of your podcast because it is so true that the pro-life movement is one of joy. It's one of a yes to life, a yes to women and their children. And I'm so grateful that there is a podcast out there that is just celebrating those, those joyful victories and the things that the aims that we are seeking, which are completely positive and, and loving and welcoming of life. Thank you so much, Kat. Now, how does respect for innocent human life flow from Catholic moral teaching? Yes, the Catholic Church does seek to protect all human life at every stage, regardless of age, disability, life circumstance. Every single life is valuable to us. That is our moral teaching. There is no one who doesn't matter to us because we believe that this is the teaching of Jesus Christ and that Christ's gospel is a gospel of life. It is a gospel that embraces all of God's children, whoever they are, however small, however aged, that every single person matters to God and God has a plan for every person. 
And how does the USCCB support pastors in proclaiming the gospel of life? So uh, just give you a little background. I work for the Bishop's Pro-Life Committee at the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. So the committee that I work for is made up of bishops from throughout the United States who are appointed to serve the conference by working together on issues affecting human life. And the staff of that committee, of which I am a part, supports the work of pastors primarily through supporting their bishops and dioceses and also through providing resources for them directly as well. Our original mandate really is to serve the bishops, to help them know what's going on legislatively about human life on a national scale, to help them know what's going on culturally, to offer support for their service ministries, national as well as local. But we also do a lot to support their staff and to support the respect life directors who are often on staff at the diocese. We do a lot working with them to serve them, help them with their needs. And we also do have a lot of support directly for pastors. So we have resources online through respectlife.org. I just want to say too, that if there are um, my Protestant friends or Orthodox friends listening who might be pastors, that these resources are available for them as well and applicable to them. We have homily guides or, or sermon guides to help pastors speak really confidently about the truth of God's love for every human life and to speak from the pulpit in a way that is very reflective of the truth about abortion and human life, but also that is knowledgeable and pastoral, respectful of the fact that there are a lot of people suffering from participation in abortion in the pews, right, who are who are in their congregations. So we really try to aim to prepare pastors to be confident in talking about this issue and share Christ's mercy and love with their, their congregations as well as the truth about abortion. And what you're saying, Kat, is exactly consistent. Our, our podcast guest last week was Eric Failing, who heads the Pennsylvania... Yes. Catholic conference, and it's just in lockstep. It, it really starts with the bishops, um, and in terms of supporting the path, I can say in my own experience, before I became the executive director for the Federation, I ran the Philadelphia chapter of PHL, and what mm-hmm. was instrumental to that was the support of, of my pastors, at least two of them, to help me set up a table in the back of church and spread the pro-life message, and without that, really, um, you're at a supreme disadvantage, because- yeah. Uh, sometimes that's not the case. Yes, you absolutely. It is tremendously beneficial to have the support of your pastors. And that said, I know that every church is different. Every parish is different. Catholic parishes, there can be some variation in the comfort level that sometimes pastors have with talking about this issue. And that's one reason why we really try to equip them. And anyone can go to respectlife.org and find these resources so they can feel more confident in, in sharing the truth and love, you know. So, Kat, what recommendations do you have for a lay person who wants to become involved or more involved in the cause of life? Well, that is a great question. And first, I'm going to go to the laity broadly, you know, for for Catholics or non-Catholics looking to get involved in a broader coalition for life, absolutely. Getting involved with your state right to life, like the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation, is a great first step to be to be informed and to work well with the rest of the the people in your state who are trying to make a difference and advocate for human life. Uh, For those who are Catholic, Catholic specifically Catholic laity, we really recommend that they get involved with their state Catholic conference as well. And you just described, you had Eric on, which is fantastic. And in Pennsylvania, for those who don't know, it's the Pennsylvania Catholic Conference. You can go on their website and get the opportunity to know what's going on in your state from that Catholic perspective. So that's a great place to start. 
We encourage Catholics and really everyone as well to sign up for Respect Life Prayer in Action at respectlife.org. This is coming from the USCCB Pro-Life Committee, but it's an email list that gives you access to prayers and also nationwide action alerts for the times when abortion is on the federal level. We know that obviously the um, Dobbs case changed some of the federal implications for life, and the but there's still a lot going on, honestly, at the federal level. There's still a lot that our congressmen and senators can do to protect human life, certainly other government leaders as well. So there's still a lot to do there, and we recommend that people get on those lists. Again, at respectlife.org, they can get, um, get involved. And then lastly, this is true, I think, for everyone, regardless of your your state, regardless of what is going on in the advocacy side of abortion, which is to get involved with support for pregnant mothers and children and service. Because no matter what happens with laws and, and the way that they change, we are all called to serve mothers in need in our communities. And I highly encourage all pro-lifers to get involved with pro-life ministry, ministries serving pregnant and parenting mothers, such as walking with moms in need and others. Uh, we can absolutely reduce abortion by serving the pregnant and parenting women who are vulnerable to abortion. So that's another way that laity can get involved right away. Lately, I've been hearing, hearing a lot about um, walking with moms. Yes. So, so can you share what are the resources available to help parishes accompany women during their pregnancy journeys? And, and what can ordinary folks in the pews do with regard to helping women facing challenging circumstances? There is so much out there. And I want to answer one part of your question first, which is which is what is what is out there that can be done? And so let's talk about that. And then I'll maybe talk more about walking with moms in need and, and how that helps parishes specifically. But first, it is that there is a lot out there already. You know, we have, I can speak to the Catholic ones. I know our evangelical brothers and sisters are, do a lot of things as well. And people of all faiths or no faith, frankly, are involved with service to moms and kids. Um, on the Catholic side, really, the Catholic Church is here for all moms in need, every mother and every child. Women are not left alone with the responsibility of supporting children. And we do this through a variety of ministries. We have Catholic Charities, which is a, a tremendous resource in the States for any family in need. We have a Catholic Pregnancy Care Centers. Uh, we have religious orders that are devoted to serving moms like the Sisters of Life. We have service societies like St. Vincent de Paul. And then there are, of course, there are other outside the Catholic framework, lots of other uh, public service organizations that we partner with that are doing this and, and serving every single day people in need. And these resources really go beyond, you know, diapers and layettes to help with housing and food assistance free and low cost medical care from Catholic hospitals, uh, help with babysitting, career services and advancement, uh, personal mentorship and support with, with parenting. So there's a lot out there. Every day these services are growing. Walking with Moms in Need is uh, a parish-based initiative to increase support for pregnant and parenting mothers in need. And what it aims to do is that any woman who finds herself unexpectedly pregnant can turn to her local Catholic church and get connected with the resources that she needs. So walking with moms is kind of like an umbrella that Catholic parishes can use to get all of the resources kind of in one place. Because we know these resources are out there, but often they're kind of disconnected. It's not, there isn't always like a one-stop shop, you know, and pregnancy care centers often do a great job of this. We're not trying to turn <laughs> Catholic churches into 
pregnancy care centers, what we are seeking to do is help the average Catholic parishioner at their Catholic church know all of the resources that are out there to help those pregnancy care centers where they exist and where they don't to, to create a place where those resources can all be found. And also where that personal friendship and spiritual connection can be found. Because these women, they're, they're more than just someone we're serving. They're our sisters. And we want them to have that personal accompaniment um, during their time of need. And that that's tremendous, Kat, because I know a lot of a lot of the chapters I visit in my work, um, some a lot of the local churches are aligned with with, with helping moms at the parish level. And, and you're right, it's not just you know, the, the physical or the financial challenges, but it's really the spiritual desolation that the woman feels she has to do this alone. And she really doesn't. And I know you had teed up at the beginning of the hour um, that <laughs> the pro-life movement is actually in its own way, very joyful. It's not grim. It's not humorless. Um, it's there to bring help and to bring peace to these women. Um, and it, by the same token, the misconception that's increasingly and unfortunately becoming prevalent is that to be pro-life is to be anti-woman, which in my experience, and certainly, you know, Maria's intercession this year, um, it, it's quite the opposite. We're, we're here for the mothers as well as their, as well as their children. Um, and, and the reality is abortion is the great destroyer of both. That's very well said. That is very well said. I think a lot of people don't realize that so much of church teaching on life is out of love for women out of love for for them and the desire that they're embraced in the fullness of their maternity and the fullness of of of, of who they are because what, what a lot of people if for some reason i want to say, say people i just think it's sort of a social kind of construct that we buy into which is that pregnancy is kind of women's personal problem to sort out that it just mean that happens if you're not careful or something when the reality is that for most women they will eventually have a child. For most women at some point in their life, sex will lead to kids, no matter if they are using contraceptives or not, or if they are they think that they're looking for a child or not. For most women, this happens. And I think that the truly appropriate and loving response is to say, how can we help women have the best pregnancy and child raising experiences? How can we support the women who find themselves pregnant at a time when they weren't expecting to be or when it's challenging? And allowed them to have the support and resources to welcome their child in security and love and to receive that, that gift. Uh, and that is something that is truly pro and not something that acts like this is an aberration or something negative that she just has to get rid of, right? That it is something about her that somehow failed her. It's actually something about her that is beautiful and unique and sh should be a source of ultimately um, joy, even if at the moment her circumstances are providing very challenging. And I think that choosing life is a very empowering experience for a woman. It, it's not a, a, a indicator of weakness. In fact, it's an indicator of strength. Absolutely. It's interesting that we've kind of lost that. And it's a misogynistic view, really, to say that there is something about this that is is a weakness or yeah or a failing. It's actually something that is is tremendous. It's it's creating life. I mean that the power, the sheer power of that is is tremendous. Um, 
and we do, we have a very hyper individualistic culture that I think is partly why it's, it's seen that way. Um, but the reality again is the pregnancy is a woman's personal problem to figure out. It is something that she does in the context of a family and of a community. I think the problem unfortunately is that a lot of women don't feel like they have that family, that they have that community. And we know that just, just statistically, we were talking earlier about the, that need for connection and accompaniment. And that's because a lot of women who are vulnerable to abortion are those who don't feel like they have anyone to turn on. We know 86% of women seeking abortion are unmarried and uh, three quarters are below the poverty line. And many of them will say that they don't have anyone really in their corner who's going to help them through this. So there's that relational poverty that needs to be addressed. And that's something that the church is in a really prime position to do. That is what we're here, we are here to do. <laughs> you, you heal the spirit as, as much as you heal the body. Absolutely. Absolutely. They go together. You know, you can't, like, I think that the, the Bible talks about this a lot. You know, someone who says, oh yeah, you know, go on and have a good day. And they don't actually help their neighbor. Well, you're not living the Christian life. Similarly, someone who just says, you, you know, I'm going to give you this thing and I'm not going to actually connect with you as a person and see where you're at emotionally and try to be your friend and listen to you. That's also not true. Like, the, that's not the Christian sense of love or the Christian sense of, of caritas, right? It has to be personal. So that I think is what well, walking with moms in need aims to do is to make that connection at the parish level so that the personal and then the resources are connected uh, in a very uh, complete way when mm -hmm. someone goes to a Catholic church looking for help. Yeah, one of the one of the increasing mantras that Maria and I are using in our work and, and Remmel as well is meet women where they are. Um, yes. because you don't know their backstory. And, and I think just in my experience, um, I've, I've really found the power of listening to be very mm -hmm. effective, not to wait to talk, not to get to your viewpoint, but have that viewpoint be informed by what they're saying and what they've gone through, I think is amazingly powerful. And again, dispels, I think, the notion that the pro-life movement is out to hurt women or misinform them. Absolutely. There, and that's what we're meant to, to do as human, as human beings. We're meant to connect with each other and connection starts with listening. There's a wonderful resource from the Sisters of Life who I again, really recommend anyone listen to. I think it's fantastic, which is um, their Into Life series. And it goes into this, into when you encounter someone who is abortion-minded. I think a lot of us who are pro-life, we freak out because we know the consequences. We know that this is that this crisis that she is going through has giant ramifications, uh, life-ending <laughs> ramifications, potentially life-threatening ramifications. And so our instinct can be, well, you know, it's a baby or, oh, oh it's, it's wrong or, or get, getting fearful first before we actually stop and listen to the person and what she is going through. And any woman who is abortion-minded, there are a lot of things going on in her life beyond this pregnancy. There are many things that are that she is threatened by that are overwhelming to her and that that she is troubled by. And being that person to listen and to find out what's really going on, then we know from her own words what she needs. We know from her own heart what where she is. And and only from there can we give that loving perspective of our own of, oh. You can't make rent this month or, oh, your 
you know, your boyfriend left you or he's, he's hurting you or he wants this abortion. You know, we don't know those things. And if we're not listening first, we're not trustworthy and we're not finding out the information that's actually helpful. And on the other side, what resources are available for women who have had abortions and who seek help and healing from those abortions? That's a great question. One thing that I like to say is that the Catholic Church, we're here for women before they make that abortion decision, when they are confused, when they don't know what to do, when they're looking for alternatives, we are there for them. We want them to have the resources that they need. But we're also there for them after they've made that decision because our love for the human person, it doesn't stop. (laughs) And we know so many people, women especially, who are suffering after abortion. And the church has a wonderful resource in Project Rachel Ministry, which is a confidential, compassion, diocesan-based ministry for those who are suffering after participation in abortion. We want people to know that Christ's mercy is waiting for you on the other side of, of the decision you made it and that, 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 that his love is, is waiting for you. And so we really encourage Catholics. And also, I don't think you have to be Catholic. You can be anyone who's looking for support and prayer and accompaniment to go to project Rachel's website, which is hopeafterabortion.com. And then you can click on the find help button and there are lots of contacts and you guys are Pennsylvania based. And so there are, I know there are several contacts in the dioceses in Pennsylvania um, that are there. So for anyone who is listening, who have participated in abortion, please know that Christ's mercy is waiting for you. And we have confidential, compassionate support available through Project Rachel Ministry. And I, I think that um, it's very interesting. A long time ago, um, I happened to come upon a young woman who had had an abortion, who was Catholic, and she was obviously suffering from post-abortion syndrome. Mm-hmm. And she was uh, describing the abortion in, in very um, brutal detail. And I knew that she needed some assistance. And so I referred her to Project Rachel. And um, not too long after, it, it just so happened that we attended the same church. And I saw her in the church parking lot and she was with the husband of a counselor I had referred her to and she was smiling and I knew that she had gotten some kind of help and it was so gratifying and I was so happy that I was able to point her to that resource because it was life-changing for her. It is. It's life-giving. Christ's mercy is life-giving when we realize that our, our, anything that we, any sin that we (laughs) have committed anything that we have done, anything that we're hurting over, that Christ wants to, to, to forgive us and heal us and remove that burden and, and that we can walk forward in freedom and hope. I mean, what a, what a tremendous gift that is. Uh, and it's true. I mean, that Project Rachel, I think, has been one of the biggest blessings that in my work in the church, learning about that and, and seeing women who have just experienced such spiritual and emotional freedom uh, after and through their their experience with Project Rachel ministry. It's been so beautiful to see. And God wants that for them. God wants them to know of his love and forgiveness and, and mercy. 
And a lot of women out there, I mean, I remember the first letter that came across my desk uh, when I took this job. We sent an appeal every year that basically laments the abortion choice. And I, I will never forget that the woman did a handwritten scrawl and said, 44 years ago, I aborted my child. And I can basically never forgive myself for that. Uh. And to the same point that Maria is making, you know, if they only knew that God, yes, abortion is a horrific evil and it's a destroyer, but God's mercy uh, supervenes that and extends beyond that. Um, and I just think there could be so much more healing. And, th and then those, those women also have the most powerful pro-life stories, I think, because, because they know of the evil um, and they know that, that, that healing is possible. That is that is that is completely true, uh, and I think too. I mean, one thing that you mentioned earlier, Maria, about the pro life movement is that we're not seeking to uh, criminalize women who have had abortions. We are we realize that so many women who who choose abortion they are in the most vulnerable, frightening, alienating time in their life, and that often there is coercion involved. There is a a boyfriend or a parent or you know someone like that who is trying to to bring them to this choice and so without you know mitigating the uh the reality of our own free will and responsibility to to make the best choices that we can we also know from project rachel how many of these women's stories involve just these um, surrounding circumstances that compromised um, their ability to act on the the known truth and so there, there's a lot there too. There's a lot of un, uh, to unpack <laughs> in the stories of women who are suffering after abortion, and that's what Project Rachel seeks to help them do and to ultimately free them, you know, spiritually. We've got just about a minute left, and and I'm wondering um, if you can dispel the notion that um, the Catholic Church is just a big no when it comes to. Um, issues of abortion, that re really the Catholic Church is a big yes to life. That, well, you just said it, Maria. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Well, I think there are a couple things. I think there are some genuine miscommunications that happen. And one of them is that we only want women to have their babies and we desert them after birth. And nothing could be farther from the truth. Our, expense, our support extends far beyond the birth of the child, really throughout the life spectrum. When you look at the the massive institutional financial contributions that the church has made to charitable institutions that help people throughout the life spectrum, you know that there that the God's love and mercy never ends and neither does the service and support offered by the church. So throughout if you're if you're afraid of what having a child means down the line, we're going to help you down the line too. Uh, another misconception is that we only want to help women who are Catholic or living perfect Catholic lives, whatever that means. And the reality is, is that, you know, the single mom, that's exactly what we want to help. A lot of women come in and said, well, you know, I sinned. Would the church want to help me? Yes. You are the person we want to help. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no matter what their religion or background is. And we're going oh, to leave it right there. Right. Kat Talalis, who works with the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. And Thanks, remember, Kat. there is always a reason to choose life. <laughs>